this. This is a football podcast, man. Meat. Football. Good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. Josh Johnson, Ben Watts, here with you, talking more team breakdowns. We've got the AFC East on uh, this episode. We've also got some NFL news and notes. Ben, how are we doing? We're doing okay. Doing okay. A little tired today. A little tired. You know what? I, I kind of feel that. I think behind the whole like podcast facade i'm a sleepy fella facade you know like the whole like you turn it up a little bit for the podcast you know you turn it up for the people yeah you got to turn it up you got to turn we it work, up a little we bit. work i work work hard outside of the podcast the podcast is the fun part it is the fun part we look forward to getting home at the end of the day and doing that exactly it's what it's what gets us excited to leave other than, you know, the fact that we're leaving work. Also, uh, my bed. <laughs> the, the bed is nice. Uh, you been listening to any Katy Perry again today? Not today. Not today. Well. Today was, a, today was just a normal normal day. We'll catch normal it. Normal music. We'll catch it next time, right? We'll, we'll see. We'll see where we're landing. I'll, I'll come up with something good. <laughs> uh. Hopping into some news from the NFL. We got a couple couple of things for you. Uh, Cooper Cup signed himself a huge extension. A huge extension. I think it was a three-year deal that extended his current deal to be five years, $110 million. Um, he added $75 million guaranteed. A.K.A. the bag. Yeah, he he got it broken off for him. And it, it's funny because like people online, like there's a there's a mix, right? You've got people saying well deserved, he's one of the you know three best wide receivers in the NFL, which I I understand it, right? He just won the triple crown, so like you gotta you gotta pay him his dues. But also you've got people saying like he's a one year wonder, he's not worth all that money, like it, so I don't know. I I think I think I lean on the side. It was worth it. He's a great receiver. Pay the man. He's um, always been good. He yes. just he's never Jared Goff wasn't the guy to support a bunch of good wide receivers, so right. now he's got it. Now he's got it, and obviously he absolutely smashed. So he's he's probably gonna do about the same thing again next year, isn't he? Congrats, Cooper. Yeah, got himself the bag. Um Najee Harris, uh during OTAs this past week said, I guess confirmed a rumor going around that he should see a slightly decreased workload. He was talking to reporters saying, like, um, they're going to be more strategic with which downs he plays and uh, try and, I guess, not get him injured throughout the course of the season. I don't... I guess that would um, lower his fantasy value because it takes away his ceiling. Like, he was not an efficient per-touch uh, runner last year. He got a lot of fantasy yeah. production from receiving, so I, I I don't know how much to take out of this, or even if I should take anything out of this. I don't know how you feel about it. 
Yeah, I well, I think just for Najee's sake, they have to lighten his workload. Or we, we've seen what happens to the guys like CMC. Like they're just gonna bury him. Yeah. But it does. If this is true, like this is all preseason speech. However, I've usually found that negative preseason speech tends to be true. So do with that what you will. But yeah, for him, they need to do it. He's still going to have his elite red zone work. He's still going to have get all the receiving work. So it's not like it's just going to destroy Najee. He needs to be a little bit more efficient, but I think this can help with that. So kind of doesn't really change a whole lot for me. Yeah. I, I think if anything, it's, you know, a slight downgrade, but he's still their guy. He's still the best running back they've got. The, like, the cliff between Najee and the next best running back. Like, what is it? Anthony McFarland, uh, Benny Snell. Like, they're not even, they're not even replacement running not backs. Not even in like the same stratosphere. No, they're terrible. So, I can't imagine that they wouldn't give Najee an absurd workload, but I also understand them wanting to keep him healthy. So there's that that line to toe there. I think he played 84% of snaps last year, which was number one in the NFL, obviously. That probably should come down. Like, yeah. he should probably be a 70% of snaps running back, which is still, like, that is insane. Um, but just for his own health, like, you hope hurt. that would come down. But he, he's just not an efficient back on a per touch basis he's a volume back um and and he doesn't miss games like he's a big dude he has a history of staying healthy so i'm not necessarily worried about his health like i would some other guys because he's he's a bigger dude he can take it but also at a certain point like you can't just give him every single touch in the offense he, you got to spell him every now and then so i don't i don't know exactly how that plays out but you know we'll see moving on Hopping in, we've got the AFC East division on this episode. Uh, we're going to start off with the New England Patriots, starting off with Mac Jones. Mac Jones is really interesting, Ben. And I think to give it a little bit of a preface, I was offered a trade today that really made me look into Mac Jones even more than just like researching him for this episode. Uh, it was basically a Trevor Lawrence for Mac Jones swap with a little bit in there extra on top of Mac Jones. And I had to really think about like, okay, how good is Mac Jones for fantasy? How good is Trevor Lawrence for fantasy? Um, and kind of where I landed with it was Mac Jones is a Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, potentially Matt Ryan uh, kind of quarterback where doesn't give you much in the rushing department but is a great thrower of the football, a great director of an offense. And, um, you know, he, he, he gave you 22 touchdowns, 13 picks last year, 3,800 yards. He gave you all those markers that you would expect to see from a great quarterback in a rookie season. Um, he was the best rookie quarterback this year. He was. He absolutely was. He was basically the only one that succeeded, if we're honest. Does he have the potential of the other guys ahead of him? The Lance Fields, you know, Lawrence? No, but he's the best situation. Yeah. Like, easily. He's got Bill Belichick. That's a huge mark in his favor. He was 
I think he put it in here. He's got the highest percentage completion percentage of any rookie quarterback ever. How many touchdowns did he have? He had 22. 22? I mean, I would expect that to go up. Hey, I yeah, mean, there was one game last year where he threw three passes. Yes. <laughs> and you they, they almost, won the game. You can almost take out uh, that one game against the Bills in the the snowstorm. What was interesting, though, is like he still he threw 22 touchdowns, which is, that's fine. Like For a rookie quarterback, that's just fine. Um, but it was a dead average touchdown percentage. It was 4.2%. I think league average is like 4.5%. So it was basically league average uh, touchdown I'll take passes. take that from a rookie. Yeah, it's just fine. Um, Thirty-eight hundred yards again, just fine. Like he was, he was very solid. Um, he the thing with Mac Jones is, and this is something that you have to figure out. Like, what are what is the future for Mac going to be? Is he ever going to kind of break into that? Is he going to have a Joe Burrow kind of thing where, you know, Joe's a similar situation. He doesn't give you much on the ground, but he's obviously going to give you fireworks through the air. Again, Joe Burrow has Joe better. also has a elite set of weapons. Right, and that's that's kind of where I was going with it. And Mac Jones does not. Um, and I think Burrow is probably a more talented passer than Mac Jones. Not that Mac Jones is bad. It's just Burrow, he's probably more up there with those elite guys. Yeah. Um, Mac Jones is really interesting. I, I do think he's probably got high QB2 in his ceiling. Um, but he he just doesn't. But have I don't the think ability. QB one is ever his ceiling. N- no, like I don't know. Does he have Carson Wentz in his ceiling? You know, when he just throws for thirty five touchdowns and ends up as a late QB one, maybe. Um, I I don't know. He's he's interesting. If you look at his stats, he had a hundred and forty four passer rating versus zone. 96 and a half versus man. To me, I don't know about to you, but to me that says he is going he's very cerebral. Like he he is not taken aback by uh schemes that he sees. Like he's able to pick defenses apart even as a rookie. Um in man coverage, I feel like it's much more of a uh relationship with your receiver, the receiver's ability himself and then the quarterback's ability to place a good ball. Uh, zone. Yeah, I was gonna say like zone. his. You know, he doesn't really have the receivers who are going to going to go out there and dominate man coverage either. Right. So uh, you kind of wonder like how good is he going to be if he did have a legit receiver? Because like Kirk Cousins has Justin Jefferson. He had Stephon Diggs before that and Adam Thielen. So he's always had good receivers. Um, Derek Carr's had Darren Waller. He's had Hunter Renfro. Um, like. He's had good passing options. Mac Jones doesn't have either of those. Like his best receiver is arguably Devontae Parker. You could make the case for Jacoby Myers, but like that's 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 not that's not really a number one passing target that makes you excited. Um, so he's a good quarterback, no, but he not a is, great quarterback. He is a guy, though. I don't think really kills you. No, he's going to he go not. out there and he's going to throw one or two touchdowns. He's not going to make a ton of turnovers. Worst case, like he's not. He, worst case scenario, he's okay. Right. Worst case, he gives you you know thirteen points. 
Which he's is, not going to have those huge blow-up games where he goes out, throws 400 yards, and five touchdowns like the big elite guys go. I mean, his seedling's probably, you know, 300 yards, three touchdowns, something like that. I mean, i probably wrong, but he's not exciting, but I think he go get the job done. Yeah. Pivoting to his running back, uh, Damian Harris last year was kind of a revelation for fantasy teams. Which is weird because Pitts, uh, not Pittsburgh, uh, New England running backs are always difficult to project. Like the the rule of thumb is don't take New England running backs because you just don't know which one's going to be good. They kind of rotate in and out. Uh, so Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson, it was like, all right, just leave them both. Don't worry about it, and uh, you know, don't get burned. But Damian Harris obviously finished as an RB one last year, which is probably really surprising to a lot of people, but it's because he scored 15 touchdowns. And he was efficient on a per-touch basis as a runner. He's a good player, but he doesn't give you much in the passing game. Uh, he feels like a depth running back for me. Um, I, don't, I don't know how you feel about him. Yeah, I don't, I don't want him as my running back one or two in no. fantasy. I don't, I don't trust him to repeat 15 touchdowns again. He could... Because like that offense, they're they're gonna run the ball. They run it a lot, and they're gonna run a lot around the goal line. So there's gonna be a lot of touchdowns on the ground to go around. But I'm not going to depend on that. He, how many receptions did he have in 2021? Not a lot. He had 18, one per game. That's the same reason we're low on J.K. Dobbins. Is he has to have a ton of touchdowns because he's gonna give you nothing in the receiving game. But I mean, at the same, he also didn't crack a thousand yards rushing, which is a concern. Not surprising, given the way um, New England runs the ball. But yeah, he's just gonna—he has the score. Yeah, if he's gonna be good, he's very touchdown dependent. And you know, going forward, you don't want to bet on touchdown production. But it's so weird that with Damon Harris, you can almost bet on touchdown production. Like that is not a sticky stat. Uh, but for the New England running backs, it sort of is. Like they, the New England running backs as a whole are productive. Problem is, you can't really bet on one or the other season in, season out, because you just don't know which one is going to get it. Or it might just be split halfway down the middle. And that sort of leads us into Ramondre Stevenson, who is very similar to Damian Harris. Like neither one of them was productive in the passing game i want to say ramondre stevenson had 15 catches so not much better uh but with ramondre he's a big guy he's like a 235 240 pound dude and he's a bowling ball he yeah he's not really that fast and he was kind of a maligned prospect coming out but but once you once you catch him like how you get him on the ground exactly and that you know runs with you for 10 more yards Exactly, and he was also super efficient with his touches. Like he, he was number four in tackles evaded per touch last year, and he was number fifteen in yards created per touch. So like, he doesn't seem like he would be really good, but it turns out that he is. <laughs> like he's just a good player. If he got Damian Harris's level of work, he, I mean, he heck, he might be better. He probably does just as much, if not a little bit more, than Damian Harris. If he got the same workload, the thing he's is, Damian Garrett Harris Blunt 2.0. Yeah, it's really what he is. He's Legarrette Blunt. The thing is, Damian Harris is a pretty good player in his own right. Like 
both of them are good players, and they're going to cannibalize each other, basically, for fantasy. Yeah. So we kind of talked about the receivers. Um, ben, just really a lot quickly. Of meh. A lot of meh. Give me the rundown, the interesting points uh, to look out for for the uh, New England receivers, because there's a lot to sift through. Who should we care about? I I like Jacoby Myers. He's he didn't I I think he only scored like one touchdown last year, but he was really good. He's probably the best receiver I think on that team right now. Devontae Parker doesn't not really enticed by that. He had one good year with Miami. Of course, like I mean, we could be wrong. Mac Jones could take a I guess not wrong, but Mac Jones could take a good step forward and support one or two of these guys, I think. I could definitely see Jacoby Myers and either maybe Parker or Aguilar being a decent guy with him. But I just, I don't know who I trust to emerge as his guys. And there's a lot of names. You got Nikhil Harry. I don't really were interested in Nikhil Harry. Tyquan Thornton is interesting. Very, very fast. Um, they took him in the second round, so he's got decent draft capital. So he's interesting to watch. I don't know. It just feels like too many names, and I don't know how much work to actually go around. Yeah, there's a lot of guys here, a lot of Jags, but I don't know if there's a like legit playmaker on this offense. There could be. like Tyquan Thornton was a pick that everybody thought was kind of stupid when it happened just because of who it, was on the board. It surprised me. It surprised everybody. But like he could turn out not, to be I mean, a really I guess good player. it shouldn't surprise me because this is Bill. This is what Bill does. Fair enough. He Every takes year. the player you don't think he's gonna take, and then they end up busting. This is Well, I mean, heck, sometimes they turn into pro bowlers. Uh, yeah. I mean, if they start off as a quarterback and then turn into a receiver, maybe. But uh if it's a true blue receiver, they don't pan out. And Tyquan Thornton's a field stretcher. I don't have them in front of me, but I don't know how good a passer Mac Jones was down the field. Can't imagine it was great, but I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean he was he was efficient in all aspects. So okay, like everything that he did was gold, essentially. I mean he like was he good was- at it at Alabama, so there's no reason to think he can't be good in the pros too. Right. I mean, he he had um, – there's a thing on Player Profiler for Mac Jones. For quarterbacks, they have this stat called money throws, which is basically a – and I guess it's a little bit subjective. It's basically a pass requiring skill or athleticism as well as clutch throws, and he was number seven with money throws. So take that for what you will. Um I think the tight ends are interesting. Yeah. They don't they're not high volume tight ends, but they score cuz th- they play a two tight end set in the red zone pretty frequently. So there's a good chance that one or the both of them will score. The problem is neither one of them will get volume. Hunter Henry got more passing volume last year, but he had an absurd touchdown percentage. He had nine touchdowns on 50 catches last year. So it's one of those like it's sort of the Dawson Knox question and we'll get into that a little bit later 
but like how how much can you project that same production to continue going forward when it was such a volatile stat that was giving them the production that I don't know but it just feels like because yeah. it's New England it'll happen again <laughs> and and even though like it should tight ends have, like, tight ends have always been good in New England yeah so maybe Hunter Henry takes the next step, gets more volume in his second year in the system. Who knows? The only other note, I think, for this offense is uh, Josh McDaniels is gone, is the head coach for the Raiders, and he's been replaced by a fuzzy combination of Bill Belichick's sons and Joe Judge, which is, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know what that means but I think I'm just going to give it the benefit of the doubt and just kind of like see how it goes before I say anything. It, yeah, that's fair. I, I don't know. Uh, it could be terrible. It could be great, but who knows? Moving on. Hopping Enough about the, the Patriots. Patriots are boring. Patriots, super boring for fantasy. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins, Ben. How about that? There's, there's a lot now, of fireworks. Yeah, now we're getting, we're getting exciting now. This is starting to look up. So, Tua Tagovailoa. Hasn't been very good, I guess you could say, so far. He's just super meh. But now they have brought in um, a new coach. They've added Tyree Kill. Jalen Waddle's coming off a rookie season. They added Cedric Wilson. They added a whole new running back room. <laughs> they are investing into it. They've also a coach added, that knows how to use running backs. Yeah. They've, had, they've fixed the offensive line, theoretically. They added, what was it, Teron Armstead, and they added a couple yep. guards. The offensive line should be better. It was horrendous last year. Um, Tua should have a chance to be good. We don't know exactly good. what Tua is this year. Yeah. If he stinks this year, it's because he's bad. If he's good this year, it's because he's good. Like I don't, It is all on his shoulders. It really is. And it's a similar thing with Zach Wilson. Again, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Like... He's got, theoretically, all he needs to be good. If he is good, he's good. Um, but, you know, the thing with Tua, he's not a flashy player. He's fine. Um, like, I don't know if he's as good a quarterback as Mac Jones is. I don't know if that is fair to say or not for you. But he feels like a fine, good starter, but nothing amazing. He's just got great weapons. I feel like he's probably got, um, just at least with the receiver, he's more mobile than Mac Jones is, and he's got better weapons. So for that, his ceiling is definitely higher this year. It's just I don't know if I trust him as much as Mac. Like I, I trust the Bill Belichick and Mac Jones enough to know that he's gonna be consistent year in and year out. Not great, but he'll be okay. To a we don't know what he is. Like I could see him busting, but if he can put it together, he's got a very high ceiling. Yeah, he. I think he'll have the chance to produce based on that potential that everybody saw for him coming out of the of the draft. But I think the real like gem of this offense is their weapons, and they added a lot of them. So they added Chase Edmonds. Uh, to, I guess be their number one running back. Here's the thing: like, he should so, be the one. He should be, I guess. But there's so many running backs here that, like, I don't know, and I don't really, I don't want to 
dabble with the Miami running backs because I feel like I'm going to end up losing regardless which one I take just because there's so many. Like if I take if I could draft of, the whole the backfield as a whole, not a single name, just the whole backfield, that would be great. Right. It feels like the the 49ers problem of years past where like you just don't know which one is going to be the guy, but whichever guy it is, he's going to be really good. You just never know which one it is. I mean, it could be all of them. Like, I think Chase Edmonds, he's the better pass catcher. He's very fast, so um, they're going to like him. But they've also got uh, Raheem Mostert. Mile, or, uh, yeah, Miles Gaskin is – he's still there, and he's been good for two straight years, so you can't just throw him away. He's got value. So it's going to – yeah, it's, it's going to be like the 49ers. It's just a problem yeah. of who's going to be good that week. So with Chase Edmonds, I've found this. Uh, he has 96 combined catches his past two years over a 28-game sample. It's about three and a half a game, which is the same rate as Cordero Patterson this past year, who gave you 52 catches and like, what was it, 550-ish yards receiving? Um, Something like that. Yeah, if he plays a full season, which... That's the other part with Edmonds. He hadn't really done that a whole lot. But if he does play a full season and he gets his average receiving work, he will give you Cordero Patterson's receiving. The other part of it, obviously, is Cordero Patterson had like 150 carries and like 650-ish yards. Um, but if, if Chase Edmonds can get that kind of workload, obviously there's the path where that can turn into an RB1 because Cordero Patterson just did it. So with Edmonds... He's interesting, and I think if I'm going to take a shot on any of these running backs, I'll take Edmonds. No, it's it's definitely Edmonds. Yeah. Raheem Mostert's also there. Sony Michelle is also there. I'm not really stoked on either one. Yeah, they are first and second down guys, but I'm no, not— No, no, no. I mean, Raheem Mostert will be there for a few downs <laughs> the entire season. <laughs> the whole season will play a handful of plays. Maybe not even that. <laughs> I, re- I remember at the beginning of last season, I had Trey Sermon, and I, th- I thought I was still thinking Trey Sermon would be good. So I was trying to get Raheem Mostert, and like I was slightly offering overpays, and the dude wouldn't take it. And like within the first five minutes, the first game he got hurt and never came back. Yep. He had two carries last season before his injury. And Trey Sermon proceeded to suck, but that's a different conversation. Right. Moving to the receivers, they added the $100 million man, Tyreek Hill, in the offseason. Obviously, he's a stud. Um, Like, he he improves the overall offense a lot. He's a, uh, he's probably the most, if not, I don't know if you can say the most. It's probably arguable. He's probably one of the five most difficult players to defend against in the whole league. Like, he is a truly just, fear-inspiring player. Teams are scared when Tyreek Hill is on the field. Yeah. But obviously, he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback anymore. So that, to me, is a downgrade. He's also got Jalen Waddell there in the offense, who I think is incredibly good. Where do you expect Tyreek Hill to finish now in the new situation? Downgrade, obviously, he's not top five anymore. And I don't think he's got the potential to be the wide receiver one like he always did in KC. I still think he's top ten, just because it's that's Tyree Kill, man. 
I'm not betting against him. Yeah. He's gonna he's in an offense where they've used guys like Debo Samuel or the, you know the coaches from that system so they can scheme him touches. He's his deep game is not going to be nearly as good with Tua, we don't think. But that being said, I mean he's still going to have an elite target share. He's going to be the one over Jalen Waddle. Um I think well like we've seen him too produce with another option in Travis Kelsey and we've seen how dominant he is so I'm not worried about Waddle just plummeting him like that either so he's gonna be fine not what you were hoping for going into the season but he's still elite yeah he's still gonna probably be a wide receiver one just not the like elite I mean I, I think he still has a chance to win you weeks like that's still perfectly in the range of outcomes for him it's just that that overall ceiling that you get with having the best quarterback in the NFL throwing you the ball, like that just diminishes. And I think that just kind of goes without saying a little bit. Yeah. If anything, you're trying to see how much better Tyreek Hill makes Tua Tagovailoa instead of the other way around. Yeah, it is. It is this is all about Tua, what they've done. Yeah. So Jalen Waddle, to me, he looks a lot like Tyreek Hill. And to a I was, or Tyreek 2.0. Yeah, like before they traded for Tyreek Hill, I was expecting Jalen Waddle to be a top, honestly, top five receiver. Like just the skill set and the way he was used last year combined together. You know, I was thinking Jalen Waddle was going to be insane for fantasy. And then obviously they got Tyreek Hill, so you have to adjust your expectations there. I still think Jalen Waddle is going to be really good. I had the impression that Jalen Waddle was getting more receiving work than he actually did. Like, if you plug in the percentages, he had a 24% target share. And I don't know about you, Ben, but I kind of think that that number or that neighborhood can be repeated for both him and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I think I can see that. Like, I think that they are both going to get like a 20 20 probably two to 25 percent target share half the offense will run through them and then obviously when they're on the field they're both easily the best skill players on Miami like it's there's not a close second between those two guys so yeah most of the offense is the passing game is going to funnel through them right so they're kind of the same. And I don't know if that feels sacrilegious to say. Like, can you say Jalen Waddle is kind of the same as Tyreek Hill? I don't know. Um, Skill-wise, close. Close. You but just he's, haven't he's seen Jalen Waddle do it. He's not Hill yet, though. Right. He's not. Um, he was number four in total route wins last year, Jalen Waddle was. He had a 29% dominator rating. dominator rating. We know all this stuff. Like, he was great last year. He was basically the entire Miami Dolphins offense last year. And it's just kind of a matter of we don't know exactly how much work both of these guys will get and take from each other. You can only, I guess, guess at this point with how they're going to work. I guess moving down this It's a doc, difficult offense to project. It really is. I do think that Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, like the two of them are the entire funnel of the offense. And I think Mike Jasicki gets a big hit he had 112 targets last year, which was that's that's a ton for tight ends. Um, 
And I think that that comes down a lot. Like 75 should be, I think, what we expect from Mike Jasicki. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, who do you think is the biggest loser from Tyreek Hill showing up for that offense? Uh, yeah, probably Gusecki. Um, Cedric Wilson. It's a decent third wide receiver in real life, but unless Hill or Waddle goes down, don't expect anything out of him for fantasy. Gusecki's just such a weapon for that team. Just to throw it up and go get it, and he's a red zone beast. So, yeah, he'll probably hurts him the most between him and Waddle, but I don't think his value disappears. Yeah, it's um, it's a difficult offense to project. And uh, speaking of difficult offenses to project, the New York Jets are next team on One here. One of those polarizing teams this offseason. Yeah, and... There's a lot of, I guess, hope similar to Tua for Zach Wilson. There's a that, lot to like. Yeah, he's got he's got good weapons. He's got a great running back. He's got two good receivers. He's got a tight end who was good last year. And it's just kind of, is Zach Wilson going to take that next step forward? Is he going to be a solid NFL starter? Which, let's be honest, last year he was not. He was a really rough rookie year last year. It was not good. But it was not good for rookie quarterbacks in general. Like, Mac Jones should not have been the top rookie. No. Like, honestly, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields all should have been better, and they all stunk. Trey Lance didn't even play. So it, it was a weird year for rookie quarterbacks. I uh, We know I like Zach Wilson a lot. I still have him as a bye this season. Um, like, like we said, he's one of the most well-prepared guys to break out. If he doesn't do it this year, it's all on him. Yeah. You have everything you need. You And he got better last season. We saw improvement. Before he was injured last season, he had a 4-9 to nine touchdown interception ratio. When he came back from the injury in Week 12, he had a 5-2 to two interception ratio Weeks 12-18. to 18. I know it's, it's not a lot of touchdowns. But we did see improvement. I liked him a ton out of college. He's got a the Patrick Mahomes-esque just playmaking ability. Not saying that he is Mahomes or anything like that, but just when you watch him play, he's got that just throw slinging it to wherever he wants to, throw it from any arm angle. It's just fun to watch. So, and he's got a good coaching staff too. I like the guys there. They added Brees Hall, the best running back in the draft. Garrett Wilson is arguably the best wide receiver in this draft. They improved the offensive line. They already had Elijah Moore, who people were really high on. Corey Davis is decent. There's just a lot to like for Zach Wilson. Yeah, he's he's theoretically got everything you need to succeed. I guess the only caution I have with this Mahomes ideal is, you know, obviously Mahomes is amazing. But Mahomes' first season as a starter, he went out and threw 50 touchdowns. Zach Wilson threw nine and looked pretty bad doing Mahomes, it. Mahomes also didn't start as a rookie. He did not. He, he started as a second in his second year. So, And he sat behind one of the – probably one of the best quarterbacks to learn from in Alex Smith. I guess. I mean, you can say that now because Mahomes turned out so good. But, yeah, I mean, Alex Smith is a very solid NFL quarterback. Uh. Yeah, I, I don't know. Zach Wilson, 
He's got the chance. It's it's all on him. And I'm not saying that know. he is Mahomes or anything like that, but he just he has that just ability to it, when you watch him, it looks like it. Yeah. He shows flashes. Yeah. Uh Brees Hall and Michael Carter are the running backs here. Brees Hall, I'm really high on. I think you're pretty high on him as well. It's hard uh, not to be high on him. I, I have tempered a little bit because, I don't know, just more me experiencing with people in leagues who are too high on Brees Hall, and it's just frustrating and it's annoying. Yeah. But he is, I mean, he's going to be a great option. Yeah, he, so when predicting rookie running backs' success, typically rookie running backs obviously produce in their first season, so they hit the ground running. And the way you're trying to figure out if these guys will be any good is some measurables, from the combine and then college production, it seems pretty straightforward. Hey, he's but he's got him. He he has all the boxes checked. He's got his BMI of thirty point three. He's got a four three nine forty yard dash at the combine. He's drafted top of the second round, which I think in the modern NFL is basically a first round draft pick, like end of the first for round, top back, of the yeah. second. Yeah, for a running back, end of the you first just round. Just don't see him in the first round. Right. So like you know, Travis Etienne last year was like. First round, what, 25th pick or something like that? Najee right Harris Najee, was like, like... Those are both like, wow! Yeah. Running back goes in the first round. They are exceptional. So, 204 draft pick. He had a 10% target share in college. All of those things together mean good fantasy running back. Especially there, that 10% target share. Like, he had 36 catches his last year. Uh, at Iowa State, so he can produce as a receiver as well. So he's got the three-down ability, and his measurables all together, like you're putting all of it together and trying to model it after a current NFL running back. The guys that he compares to analytically are Jonathan Taylor and Ezekiel Elliott, and obviously those dudes are great. So that is not to say Brees Hall will be Jonathan Taylor or he will be Ezekiel Elliott, but he compares like for like to those players. He checks and the boxes that they checked. Exactly. Um, so, theoretically, Brees Hall should be a top 15 running back year one. And I think an, his... Uh, go ahead. Like, there's an outside chance he could be an RB1. The oh, only yeah. issue is, like, the overall offense, we don't know how good it's going to be. Zach Wilson, he, for all the upside, he still scares you. The, the situation is not as good in New York as it is in Indianapolis or Dallas. Dallas, obviously, in the lead offense with Zeke, and they, I mean, they gave him everything to succeed. And then, you know, JT comes into Indianapolis just behind the best offensive line in the league. So, yeah. And Michael Carter is also like, he's not. Okay, so there's two there's two ways to look at this. Some people say, and I, they probably have Michael Carter on their fantasy teams, some people say that Michael Carter will steal third down work from Brees Hall. And we've harped on this before, but like to, to a, cer a certain extent. Right. Like you, you say yes, but with an asterisk. Like a little, but not to the point that um, like he actually is stealing work from Brees Hall. Once these coaches see like, Brees Hall on the practice field and see Michael Carter on the practice field, all of them unanimously will say, oh, yeah, Brees Hall's a better player than Michael Carter. And they're going to play him that way. Yeah, it's... 
Like, we'll, y- yes, Michael Carter will have a third down role because he's good at it. He, we saw him be very successful at it. So it's not they're not going to take that away. But when you compare the talents, it's not close. And the fact that Brees Hall is a good pass catcher, it's not like he's Derrick Henry out there and it's third down and you just automatically take him out. Like, Brees will be in there. Right. I kind of look at it like, uh, you know, JT and Naheem Hines in Indianapolis. Like, Naheem Hines steals third down work from JT, kind of. Like, he still does get work on I mean, third JT down. Still, he still had, like, 45 catches last year. Right. Well, it was like thirty, you know, like forty-five targets. But I think he, still, I think he, it was a little over forty. Eh, maybe it was. I don't have it right in front of me. But anyway, like he, Naheem Hines steals a little bit from Jonathan Taylor. But you're not worried about Naheem Hines at all. And I think that's sort of how the Michael Carter Brees Hall dynamic will play out. Like Michael Carter will, he will get some work, but you're not going to be worried about him. And I think the people that are worried about him are kind of overblowing it a little bit yeah i agree so with the receivers this is where there's a lot of i don't know you got garrett wilson they took early in the first round you got elijah moore that they took at the top of the second round last year all the draft Debbie guys were right elijah moore is really good and he produced last year uh but is garrett wilson their number one does elijah moore garner like number one volume from the slot and then Corey Davis is there too there's a lot of question marks here Ben it is again one of those very very difficult offense to to project I me personally I think Garrett Wilson should step in and take the one role I think he's the best prospect and not that Elijah Moore is a bad prospect he's obviously he's great excellent wide receiver fantastic from the slot I think Garrett Wilson is just a little bit better. Garrett Wilson, four three nine speed, great route runner. He we've seen him produce elite production on an offense loaded with other elite wide receivers. Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, who is I mean, people are drooling over him already. Um, Jamison Williams is a great wide receiver. He had to transfer out because he couldn't start over these guys. So we've seen him with car- target competition, no problem. That being said, obviously don't fully trust Zach Wilson, but still the talent should eventually win out, and he is a fantastic talent. Yeah. Elijah Moore, kind of a similar situation. He should be – like he's a good player, a really talented player. He's great. He's very efficient on his touches last year. He was the wide receiver four from week seven to 13 last year in half PPR. So – Obviously, he's shown you that he can be really good. Um, But, again, there's questions with Garrett Wilson being there, with Zach Wilson. Uh, I guess Elijah Moore is a little bit more of a slot receiver going forward. I I guess that's safe to project. But, like, on a per-touch basis, he was really good. I found this for Elijah Moore. Of rookies that had an eight... Well, okay, so... the. Here's the total complete list of rookies, rookie wide receivers that had an 18 plus percent target share and a 23 plus percent target rate, meaning they earned work like targets per route run target share. Typically, those are um, earned statistics. So the receivers that did that, 
was Odell Beckham, A.J. Green, Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, and Elijah Moore. So he's in really good company. <sighs> That's some big <laughs> names. That's good stuff. Yeah, Elijah Moore is like it's like I wasn't harping on Garrett Wilson to downplay him. Like he's phenomenal. We saw him be great. Like so many people were high on him going into last year. And I think everybody that was high on him, like we we all as a fantasy community can say collectively, we got that one right. <laughs> he was good. We we got him right, but the situation isn't right. So there's Corey Davis there as well. Uh, I get like he's a good he's the, receiver. He's the wide receiver three. Yeah, and it's so funny because like Big he body. started the year as the wide receiver one last year, and he was getting force fed to start yep. the season. Um, like he's a and he's they a they good they paid him receiver. a lot of money. They did, and he's their third guy. Uh, he's so good. Like they can't get rid of him right now either. No, I don't think they can cut him until the end of the year, and they honestly might cut him after this season. Um, CJ Uzama's there as well. He doesn't scare me at all because he sucks not, for him. I guess, but like he wasn't a volume tight end last year. He was an efficiency guy yeah. that would give you a he long touchdown, touchdown every. Yeah, he he'd give you a long forty yard touchdown like every five weeks. But like he steps into I mean, he's, he's good. Kind of what he had in Cincinnati, where you're behind Chase, you're behind Higgins, you're behind Boyd. Except all of these wide receivers are not as good as Chase Higgins and Boyd. And you get a downgrade at quarterback. Right. So it's tough for C.J. Yonzama. Good player. He will help Zach Wilson out, but I don't expect anything from him. Right. Uh, that I think that pretty much covers the Jets. Lots of question marks, lots of upside. Uh, we'll kind of wait and see with them. Moving on to the probably the goldmine of this division, what we've all been waiting for is the Buffalo Bills. This is what we want to talk about. <laughs> Hit me with Josh Allen. Is he going to repeat as the QB1 again? And should we be taking him in the, what's it going in, like the third round, the if, second, late if, second round of Even if not, he is the QB1 in my heart. Josh Allen is my favorite player. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are close seconds, but nobody's dethroning my boy. I love Josh Allen. I want him to get a Super Bowl ring so bad. But that doesn't affect fantasy, so let's move on. <laughs> I'm just on yeah. my Josh Allen soapbox. I love Josh Allen. Uh, do we even need to ask like why we're, why we're talking about Josh Allen? No. Allen's numbers last <laughs> year were worse than 2020 when he was the RB1, or the QB1, and he was still the quarterback one. Yeah. They added help in the run game, a pass-catching running back, and uh, James Cook, so that should help him a little bit. His completion percentage actually dipped a fair amount. It dipped from 69% to 63%. So I would expect that to bump up a little bit next season. Just because he was throwing the ball so much last year. He threw like 630 times, something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, he had 300 more rushing yards last season than he did in 2020. I would expect that to come down some. I don't think they want him running as much, which... As a Josh Allen fan, I don't want him to run as much either. I need him to stay healthy. Right. So, but I mean, I don't see his numbers being far off of what they were. He's still going to be, you know, a high-volume passer. He's going to throw a lot of touchdowns. He's going to 
run for a lot of touchdowns at the goal line. He's the first quarterback off the board, no matter the format. Yeah, I I agree. Like he's he's a safe quarterback one. You don't have to really. There's really no debating that. Like yeah, he he's been the QB one two years in a row. You lock him in. He's he's great. Uh, I'll be surprised just because it's like you just don't see people just do it three years in a row. So, I mean, I don't expect him to, but don't I'm not going to be surprised when he is. Right. So, I guess he's the on. best of both worlds. Yeah, he's he's great. He he is rushing, he is passing like he's he is a I guess double threat. <laughs> it, like he is he's all that's good about Jalen Hurts without the bad. Like he's a 4500-yard passer plus a 500 to 800-yard rusher. Like that is that's fantasy gold. Ridiculous. Moving uh, on. Yeah, moving on. We all know what Josh Allen is. Um, where it's interesting is these running backs, uh, James Cook and Devin Singletary. Singletary had a really great stretch towards the end of the season last year, um, but they spent high draft capital on James Cook, and it looks like James Cook is primed to be their third down back. Uh, and he's got a really solid ADP right now uh, in, like, consensus rankings. Yeah, I don't uh, – I think Fantasy Pros has him going at RB38. I don't mind him there. Right. It Like, it's CEH situation, except he's not going in the top five. Yeah. Like, he's – he's a tough player – when you're just looking at his college stuff to say he's going to be good, but it's it's just such a good situation. He had an 8.2% college target share, which, I mean, it's not... I mean, it, that's okay, especially when you consider what they did at Georgia. They didn't really throw the ball much at Georgia. Georgia was a tough yeah. school to really dominate offensively. And honestly, he never really dominated at Georgia. He was always the RB2. He never really exploded in college. But he was extremely efficient, 6.6 yards per carry, good pass catcher. Obviously, he's going to be Josh Allen's third down back. Like, it's, like I said with CEH, it's scary because it, it looks so tantalizing. Like, oh, he's going to catch a ton of passes from Josh Allen. They're going to be in the red zone so much he could get carries there, and it's just not going to play out like that. Yes, he's going to catch passes from Josh Allen, but when they get in the red zone, Josh Allen is going to vulture a lot of touchdowns, and it'll be the same Same for Devin Singletary. And I don't know if it's going to be like he's catching 100 passes either. He's, you know, it's kind of boom or bust for both of them. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough to, I guess, figure out I which think, one uh, is I think Singletary is be being taken ahead of him yeah. in fantasy, which I kind of agree with. I think Singletary... As good as James Cook potentially could be, I think he'll still out-snap him because James Cook just isn't built to carry a large workload. Right, and we've never really seen him do it. Um, and Devin Singletary, when he did get a full workload, was efficient with it last year. You He's got very him in good. His, yeah, he was the RB3 he was the RB3 over the, three last, over six the last six weeks. Yeah. So he, yeah. he he's good when they give it to him. He's, he just doesn't give you any of the upside. And I think James Cook gives... Josh Allen a safety blanket on third down that like he he will be a really good pass catching running back um but like 
some of the hype with him is a bit overblown, and I think it's settled. So RB38 for me, I'm okay with it. I think when the draft pick first happened, people were taking him as a top 24 running back. That was ridiculous. Um, But RB38, I would be okay taking a shot on him that maybe he eats into kind of that first and second down workload a little bit. Um, But, you know, he's, he's more of a dynasty pick than anything else. We can officially put the final nails in the coffin of the Zach Moss experience. That is oh, yeah. over. He's he's dead to me. Yeah, he, he was dead to me last year. <laughs> I was getting him off waivers everywhere, and now I'm probably just going to send him back to waivers. Yep. The receivers are where this is really fun. Because uh, they've very, got... Very interesting. Yeah, they've got a lot of vacated targets. They got 184 of those suckers, and they have receivers that are very juicy. They've got Stephon Diggs. They've got Gabriel Davis. You've got Jamison Crowder. Diggs is boring. Well, I guess he's boring because you just lock him into like what he was last year, if not a little bit better. Yeah. I feel like he is, like we were saying with Nick Chubb last year, as one of the safest running backs, barring injury, Stephon Diggs is probably one of the safest wide receivers in fantasy football. Yeah, I would agree. He's uh, high target share, which 24% last year, which I honestly thought was higher. But I guess just because Josh Allen threw so many passes that 160 targets is only good enough for 24% of your team's total. Right. So, But still, I mean, he's the top, like easily the top target for one of the highest volume and probably the best offense, or maybe not the best, but top two offenses in the league. He actually had the most end zone targets last season, 25, and 33 red zone targets. The only wide receiver with more was Cooper Cup, who had 36. And Cooper Cup obviously had, what, 15, 16 touchdowns last year? Yeah, so, like, Diggs could have easily had an even better season than he did. He was He felt inconsistent, but... Like he never, he never really blew the top off of any yeah, given just, week. He, he didn't have the ceiling, but he games, was just but he was always, always good. good. Yeah. And I Gabriel, expect more the same, but I think we could, you know, we could still see him. He could get back to that just league winning, or league yeah. winning weeks. Yeah. Gabriel Davis feels like the upside play in this offense, just because, like in a. In a limited workload, he's he gets a lot of red zone targets as well. Um, I want to say, and I could be wrong here, Gabriel Davis had like the third most red zone targets last year, and he wasn't even a full-time player. Um, fact check me on that. But that, that doesn't sound right, but okay. I could have sworn. The third most? Yeah, I thought it was the third. Like of everybody? Like 20, I thought it was like 20-something. I'm looking, but there's no way he had that. He had eight red zone targets. No, he had uh, 16 red zone targets, which is good for 29th. Okay. But well. still, when he only had like he only had like 52 targets total, so that means like 25, 30 percent of his targets are in the red zone. And that might have been what it was. That might have it might have been the percentage of red zone targets to his total was ridiculously high. Regardless. 
Like when he played, he was a threat to score. He had eight touchdowns last year. Um, and there's there's a clear path now for Gabriel Davis to finally break out. We've been waiting on this for two years now. Yes. The thing with him, you saw like, the ceiling in the playoffs. Oh God, and that that probably ruined it because yeah, like his people value got, people then got too high on him. Right. I don't know like what a good value for him is because on the one hand I can see how he could be a you know mid wide receiver two, but I could also see a possibility where he's like the wide receiver thirty five, and yeah. I don't know which one I wide should range of outcomes. Into. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a wild card, but he's when you're betting on a guy like that, you want to bet in a dude that's in an elite passing offense with a clear path to him and with taking a, a step forward, and he's got that. With 184 vacated targets, like I expect him to, he's not going to get 50 something targets this year. He's going to get closer to 100, I would think. You would think, like he's at least double what he was getting last year. So that's very very interesting. Yeah, he's he's a very, very, I think interesting is a good way to put it. He's a very interesting fantasy piece. Rounding out the receivers, Jamison Crowder, not very no, flashy. This is interesting. I guess so, like in a Cole Beasley kind of way, but not. It's like a combo of Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. And again, just think, like he's the slot guy, and Josh Allen loved slow throwing to Cole Beasley in the slot. I could still see their rookie, their late round rookie pick, Khalil Shakir, taking some work away from Jamison Crowder. But I could also totally see a possibility that like Shakir never gets on the field. Kind of like how so Gabe Davis, we always thought he was going to push ahead of Cole Beasley, and it just never happened. And now Beasley's gone, and we can see it happening. Jamison Crowder could just be like the guy that's in the way of Shakir being anything, or he could be a thorn in the side of Davis. Like he's he's a good receiver, but he's not great. He's kind of old, busted a little. Um, but he, I mean, yeah, but we've he's seen good. him be good year in year out. And I mean, Emmanuel Sanders had flashy games with Josh Allen. He's like thirty six years old. Cole Beasley was like thirty two years old. How old is Crowder? Uh, he's probably. I think he's like thirty one, thirty two. Yeah. So I mean, I, I could you know easily see him. Not. He's twenty eight. Holy oh cow. my gosh. Is he really? Yeah. Oh. I thought wow. he was like 32 or something. I did too. I feel like he's he is the been... same age as Stefan Diggs. That's crazy. And he has had good years. Like he's the wide receiver. And it was always on bad teams. Like he was a wide receiver 28 in 2016 with Washington, wide receiver 26 in 2019 at the Jets. Like he's, and he's always just had a ton of. He catches those little slot routes, and I don't know. There is some tantalizing potential with Jamison Crowder. Yeah, there's something there. I don't know how much it ends up being, but I d- I do think that Crowder will be a potential flex option in fantasy leagues, and he's probably going to be annoying to everybody who buys into Khalil Shakir yeah. hype. And probably annoying to Gabe Davis owners too. Like he's a good enough receiver that he could eat into like, some of Davis that. Gabe Davis should be the guy. Get get Crowder out. Yeah, but Crowder is just good enough that he's going to get snaps. I I don't know exactly how it plays out, but just good um, enough to piss you off. Exactly. 
Uh, Dawson Knox, kind of the same thing. He's just good enough to piss you off because he's he eats into workload of other pass catchers and he scores touchdowns. I think he like like that's I some think of he the comes Stephon Diggs. Yeah, he's got to. But I think some of like the you know Stephon Diggs, um, maybe not being as prolific as we'd like was that Dawson Knox took a huge step forward in touchdown production, and that wasn't yeah. a thing two years ago when Diggs first got there. So that you, I mean, you could see a reversion to like twenty twenty Diggs production just because some of some of the touchdown production from Dawson Knox from Gabe Davis might come down a little bit and and Diggs could I guess take that over again but Dawson Knox was I mean he was very interesting last year he just he did not catch a bunch of passes he had an 11% target share had a whole bunch of touchdowns that to me screams regression I don't know about you he had oh yeah 100% he had seven touchdowns I think that comes down Extremely low target share. He had 11%. And not that O.J. Howard himself is anything for fantasy, but O.J. Howard can't can't mean good things for Dawson Knox. Like right. when your numbers are as low as his are, like any target competition is not good. Exactly. So I could see him... Like I still think he's probably a tight end one, but like the tight end 10 kind of thing. Um just because Again, like, like in that offense just enough to piss you off. Exactly. He'll have the chance to be decent, but I I don't bet on him being just as good as he was last year. So, you know, I think I would I would bet on Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs being the go-to options in this offense. But again, they're 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 sneaky annoying yeah. with the usages and- for pass catchers and the addition of the pass catching running back in James Cook plus Singletary catches passes really well too it's just like I don't think that kind of stuff affects Stefan Diggs but it affects the guys like Dawson Knox yes and tight ends and running backs I think kind of feed off each other a little bit they're that 10 yards and in sort of deal and rack kind of players so I don't know we'll we'll see how it pans out That's that it? That'll do it. Anything else, Josh? No other players you want to mention? Nope. You got anything else? Uh, Oh, let's... uh, Kevin Harris. Oh, from the Patriots? Yes. The Gamecock. I guess so... I'm just messing with you, Josh. (laughs) Okay. Oh, dear. I'm a huge Gamecock fan. I'm not going to let a Gamecock slip through the cracks. (laughs) We mentioned him, and that's it. That'll do it for this episode of the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. Uh, We'll see you next week when we're talking more divisional breakdowns. More AFC. Yeah, more AFC. We can. Are we? Are we doing the the really flashy one, or are we doing the really not flashy one? I think we should do the really not flashy one and save the really really flashy one for. Oh, that's gonna be a long episode, dude. Good lord. Uh, so, AFC West is going to be a problem. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot. Uh, we're doing more AFC divisional breakdowns next week. We'll see you then.
Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.